I'm Elena Landsberg-Lewis, your host of Grandmothers on the Move, the podcast that kicks old stereotypes to the curb. Come meet these creative, outrageous, authentic, adventurous, irreverent, and powerful disruptors and influencers. Grandmothers, from the living room to the courtroom, making powerful contributions in every walk of life. We know them most intimately as loving caregivers, the older women in our lives with a thousand stories about their grandchildren and pictures in their purses. In this podcast, you'll come to know even more about our grandmothers. They are galvanized, determined, and are guaranteed to get you thinking. What drives them? What are they up to? What is the potential of grandmother power and how is it changing the world? Grandmothers are on the move. You don't want to be left behind. Hi, it's Elena. Welcome back to Grandmothers on the Move. And today I have three very special guests from the Grandmothers to Grandmothers campaign in Canada, something I'm thrilled to introduce to you, an initiative that's very close to my heart. But before I start our conversation, I want to share a little bit of context. I spent my entire adult life working on women's human rights. And I was doing just that at the United Nations Development Fund for Women when my father was appointed by Secretary General Kofi Annan as the United Nations Special Envoy on HIV and AIDS in Africa. My father, Stephen Lewis, called me to share with me his profound distress over what he was seeing, the ravages of HIV and AIDS in sub-Saharan Africa. And in our conversations about the desperation that he was feeling about the carnage, as he called it, that was unfolding, we decided to start a foundation together that would get funds directly into the hands of grassroots groups who were struggling so hard to keep people alive and to help them die with dignity. And when our foundation launched the Grandmothers to Grandmothers campaign, something truly remarkable took place. And that's the subject of today's podcast. But before we get to the conversation, I want to share with you something that my father wrote, which is in a book called Powered by Love, A Grandmother's Movement to End AIDS in Africa. The setting, a little copse of bush willow trees outside the children's clinic in Alexandra Township, Johannesburg, 2005. The inhabitants, some 20 grandmothers perched on fragile benches, all of whom had buried adult children and were looking after scores of orphaned grandchildren. The conversation, poignant stories, one after another, of crushing family loss and heartbreaking treks to the cemetery. Everyone spoke except one woman, Agnes by name. No amount of cajoling could get her to come forward until, by inspired happenstance, a sweet song of collective commiseration brought Agnes back to the surface of life. Her story was brief and devastating. In a two-year period, she had buried all five of her own children, three daughters, two sons, and was left with four grandchildren. They were all HIV positive. I remember a visit just a few weeks earlier in Lesotho, the little mountain kingdom surrounded by South Africa. Trudging down the mountain in search of water, pain and despair etched in her face, was a bent, frail 90-year-old grandmother with 19 grandchildren trailing behind. 19. I never quite got over it. We brought together 100 African grandmothers to what is now a well-known grandmothers gathering on the eve of the International AIDS Conference held in Toronto in August of 2006. 200 Canadian grandmothers joined the proceedings. It was a hotbed of intense discussion and emotional bonding. The African grandmothers ran the entire agenda. The statement at the end of the gathering was the first ever in the history of the virus to put grandmothers at the centre. The grandmothers movement was born. 
With the work of the Grandmothers to Grandmothers campaign, gradually, irreversibly, like some contagion of liberation, the African grandmothers gained huge quantums of confidence. They saw their grandchildren thrive. No longer would they accept the mere necessities of life. No longer would they accept isolation. They wanted more. They wanted their human rights. And that's what it's come to. From those early days in 2006 has emerged a movement bracing for freedom from the shackles of the virus, a vision that harkens back to the early days of feminism, a cry to embrace the contemporary wave of gender equality. It's really quite remarkable to see what time and generosity and compassion have wrought. Out of the despair of AIDS has come a powerful social movement uniting continents in unabashed solidarity. For my part, I remember sitting at my desk in 2006 in Toronto when the lightning bolt struck. Grandmothers were the key to the solution. At the same time that my father was sharing urgent observations about African grandmothers he was encountering, our foundation was receiving wave after wave of proposals from African community-based organizations desperate to provide new programs to caregivers. These programs ranged from providing basic necessities like food to delivering health care and counseling, as well as parenting workshops. Who were these caregivers? I called some of the groups to ask if they were talking about grandmothers. Yes, they all said, of course, gogos, jajas, yayas, mamas, nyanyas, bagogos, all grandmothers caring for the escalating numbers of orphaned grandchildren. But I was puzzled. Why hadn't they simply said this? The answer was uniform, because no one wants to give to older women. They're not a target group. They're not sustainable. They're not a good investment. That night, I watched my own mother with my son, her first grandchild. I was struck by the fierce love and joy that I saw there and suddenly realized how rarely we name and acknowledge this powerful force in our midst, the profound love and unbreakable bond grandmothers have with their grandchildren. Surely I thought this breathtaking reality, so many grandmothers bearing their adult children, forced to push aside their grief and find the emotional resilience to care for traumatized orphans, would resonate with Canadian grandmothers, any grandmother, if only they knew the magnitude of the tragedy unfolding in Africa. What I never could have anticipated was how Canadian and now Australian, American and British grandmothers would leap to respond. Since its beginnings in 2006, the Grandmothers to Grandmothers campaign has exploded in an unstoppable movement of dynamic women who, alongside those of us at the Stephen Lewis Foundation, have developed an entirely new model of development built on a mutual respect and a deep appreciation for the dignity, intelligence, and courage of African grandmothers, while devoting countless hours and boundless ingenuity to raising more than $27 million, along with a great deal of attention along the way. This isn't a gimmick or a clever fundraising campaign. It's a democratic, self-powered movement of grandmothers and grandothers, women of grandmothering age who may not have grandchildren in their lives, Their fundraising and awareness-raising activities are not run by anyone. They work with us as a cherished part of the foundation, ensuring that their agenda, like ours, is driven by the African grassroots groups who are the experts on what will work best for their communities. If the devastating legacy of 30 years of AIDS in Africa is to be overcome, the know-how of the African grandmothers must be heeded, not ignored. And it's the ingenuity and perseverance and fierce love of the grandmothers that I've had the privilege to work with for the last decade that inspired me to do this podcast. So let's get to it. I'm tremendously excited to have a conversation with three members of the Grandmothers to Grandmothers campaign, Judy Johnson, Selma Hansen, and Linda Wills. Linda Wills describes herself as a lifelong feminist, 
an activist for women's rights with a diverse background that ranges from working on spousal abuse to chairing her neighborhood association, active in politics, she ran at one point federally, a teacher and then a principal, and now the proud grandmother of six grandchildren and a longtime member of the grandmother's campaign since 2007, active in Atlantic Canada in her local Bay Grandmothers group. And she says that the African grandmothers have taught her how to reclaim joy in the face of adversity and that the campaign has become an integral part of her life in her retirement years. Thelma Hansen lives in Winnipeg, Manitoba. She's a member of the Grands and More group. She has four grandchildren and loves living close by and participating in their lives. She's been an active member for the last three years in raising awareness and doing some fundraising. And this past winter, she was, as she puts it, humbled and honored to be selected to travel to the first grandmother's gathering in Tanzania. The trip was so much more than she anticipated. Seeing the results of the campaign's effort kind of closed the loop in how she sees the grassroots model in action. And her focus for the next year will be on sharing the messages and stories of the African grandmothers that she met on the trip. And then there's Judy. Judy's been a part of the campaign for almost a decade. She started in Winnipeg and then moved to British Columbia to be closer to her two wonderful grandchildren. And she joined the grandmothers group there. And besides her grandchildren and the grandmother's campaign, about which she's deeply passionate, her other passions are dragon boating. She and her husband are part of a seniors team that competes in regattas and quilting. Judy is a wonderful advocate and has done so much work over the last decade, amplifying the voice of African grandmothers and fundraising in order to ensure that they have the support that they deserve. Welcome all of you to Grandmothers on the Move. I'm just delighted to speak with each of you today. Hello, Alana. Hi, Alana. Hello, Alana. Hello. All of the grandmothers I've spoken to for this podcast have Mm -hmm. talked about how their relationships with their grandchildren has inspired and moved them to get involved in all sorts of ways to make the world a better place for their grandkids to inherit. And one of the things that's very special about the Grandmothers to Grandmothers campaign is that it is, as you know so well, based on a model of solidarity. And that model is one that recognizes that the African grandmothers and their community-based organizations are the experts on HIV and AIDS in their communities and how to address it, and that the African grandmothers are dignified, intelligent, dynamic equals that don't need to be saved by anyone. And why do you think that it's important for people to understand this? Thelma? Well, I think that when we meet our African sisters in solidarity, we are peers. We are, we're grandmothers and that's the playing field that we come on. But I believe that having to take their lead, they're the experts, it changes that dynamic. It makes it an equal playing field. It isn't about power. It's about seeing a need and being able to help fulfill that need, but not because they as you said, need to be saved, but it's just how human beings treat each other. We help each other out, but it's about them. And one of the things that I found was the absolute level of strength and competence. And it's a bit of a a term in Canada when we're trying to encourage someone. We say, you've got this. They've got this in an amazing way. They know exactly what they need and what they want. I just think that for myself, I, I really don't think I'd like someone to step in and tell me what I need to do to make things happen. And I, I think it's a matter of respect and dignity that we, we give to each other. Right. And Linda? Well, the fact that this is not a charity model, but it is a solidarity model has meant the world to me because I don't think I could be involved in an organization that promoted the charity model. These women are just 
absolutely amazing. They're taking care of one another and they heal each other with their stories and they share lessons they learn and, and they're so strong in their communities. How, how can we presume to think that we might be better than them? We're not. We're all sisters together. We work together. And these grandmothers in Africa are breaking down barriers of stigma and these things have held them captive, but they're breaking through these barriers and they're gaining and they're continuing to gain a voice, not only in their own community, but beyond. I mean, this has been a very humbling and inspiring situation for me, watching African grandmothers teach us. Yes. And Judy. Yeah, that, that is so true. I, I often think that in some ways we're almost victims of the old stories that we grew up with of who was right and who could make decisions and, and who couldn't and that kind of um, uh, West is best kind of, of process. There are so many charities that advertise in the media, on, on television, on, on the internet, and print materials, using that, that charity model, using that very top-down patronizing approach. And I, I often worry that that kind of seeps into our, our subconscious, that we might hold ideas or that we meet people who hold those ideas as being maybe the way it is. And I think it's so important, the work that we do, where we can have the opportunity to go out and talk about these women and talk about what's happening, what the reality is, what the strength is, what the power is, and, and where change is really happening and, and the positiveness of the change that's happening. I feel like a real sense of responsibility to make sure that when we work in solidarity with them, that we're carrying the real stories forward and that we're getting the stories out to where they need to be so that people do learn about what's happening in the world, that they learn about why it's happening, that we tell those stories that aren't in the media, that don't make the six o'clock news at night, because that's really where change starts to happen. When people get those stories into their heads and into their hearts, and start thinking about things in just a little bit different way. That's when bigger changes happen. It's just important work. Absolutely. What's been the most surprising thing to you about being involved in the Grandmothers to Grandmothers campaign? Linda, why don't we start with you? Well, uh, the Grandmothers campaign came into my life just at the, at the time I was retiring. And as you know, retirement is a gift of time. It's a time to do all those things that you wanted to do, but you just didn't have time. But I also knew that I had to do something more and beyond that. And when I first attended the very first Atlantic Grandmothers fundraising event, the Bay Grandmothers in 2007, I thought, aha, that is something I can really become involved in. But the most beautiful thing that has happened for me is that whatever small things I might have done through the 11 years involved in the campaign, it is nothing to compare with what the campaign has given to me. And and what it has given me is a network of like-minded women. I didn't know they existed. Often women in their older years, when they retire, um, become isolated, maybe their husbands die or whatever. But this has given me a network of beautiful women and we're really, truly kindred spirits. And I realized we all share the same values and it's the warmth that I have developed. The other thing that came out to me from this that was uh, amazing is the Canadian grandmothers, like the African grandmothers, have developed a network of friendships. I can travel from Vancouver Island to Newfoundland and stay with a kindred spirit. 
another grandmother. That's beautiful. But as we are working on our fundraisers, whether it's a fashion show or a fabric sale or the walk or whatever, we talk. We grandmothers talk. And we, too, support one another because we are most of us, 99% of us, I would say, are mothers. And once a mother, you're always a mother. You worry about your children, even though there might be adults and you worry about their jobs and you worry about if they're moving to another city or another country and you worry about your grandchildren. So we share all these stories and we too support one another in a very meaningful way. And I think that was the most surprising thing to me. And now I have a network of friends from coast to coast that I are no longer just acquaintances, they are friends. That's been very beautiful for me. Yeah, really powerful. And Judy, what surprised you the most about being involved in the campaign? Well, I must admit that Linda's so dead on about this network of like-minded individuals and friends. But one of the things I've noticed is I'm having way more fun than I thought I was going to doing this. I went into this expecting to to enjoy feeling a sense of accomplishment, feeling a sense of partnership with other people doing this. And I have. I've learned a great deal. But we've had so much fun together. We do more laughing in the being together, in, in the sharing together. And it's amazing how much work you can get done sharing a, a common goals and a, a common experience. I love that. And Thelma, what's your surprise been? Well, um, I, I agree with both Judy and Linda. It's in the uh, personal connection. and But also, I think for myself, it's been tremendous personal growth. I think that I've had some of my long-held understandings challenged, which is good. Um, I think I've learned a lot from being involved and the solidarity with the African grandmothers has been the most gratifying experience of my life, I have to say. It's just that heart-expanding love that I felt through working with the Grandmothers Campaign has um, expanded my heart a great deal. Yes, I'm, I'm always moved by that. And I'm always moved by what the Grandmothers and the Campaign say about the impact mm-hmm. of being involved in the campaign has had on them. What has your experience been doing the work in the group of raising awareness and raising funds for the African Grandmothers and what they're doing? Thelma, why don't we start with you? Well, I am in Winnipeg. Grands and More is an extremely resourceful group. (laughs) We have done many fun and exciting things. We've found that we can move mountains. In Winnipeg, we have Art from the Attic. Over three years, we've raised over $100,000 with that. And it's unbelievable to me that people are willing to donate their art and then we sell it all in one day and people come out in droves to buy this and support us. That's extraordinary. And Linda, what has your experience been working in the group? The group has taught me so much. As I mentioned, women are from all different walks of life, and I've learned so much in many different ways from all of them. And I've shared some of my expertise with others, and that's very nice for me as a former teacher. You know, when they ask me different questions about technology and I can help them, I just feel empowered myself, you know, so (laughs) that's a very nice feeling, you know. And uh, I got an SOS this morning that the technology wasn't working for Ida's presentation and I ran over and I flipped up the the little computer and well and there it worked you know I felt very good <laughs> it's been been really reaffirming and the other thing that was mentioned is the fun we laugh so much in the group but the friendships have developed even beyond so we do road trips together to go and visit other groups in other areas and it's very nice 
That's wonderful. And Judy? It's true uh, what uh, what Linda just said. The experiences that we have bring us far more gifts than, than we've been able to give back. It's been so exciting for me. At a time when I thought I was going to be, uh, you know, slowing down and we think of retirement as a stepping back, this has really been a great opportunity to step up. And I've been challenged by people in the groups to take on different tasks or, or try something new or go someplace new. And it's getting into something where your experiences take you way beyond that and open up worlds that you hadn't had a chance to look at before means that you've really hit the right place. And I really have felt that being involved in the grandmother's campaign, it really just feels like the right place for me to be. I love that. And for each of you, how did your group get started? Did you all know each other? Uh, I know that uh, some groups started amongst friends. Some groups started reaching out to people, to other grandmothers that you didn't know. And not everyone who's a member of a grandmother's group has a background in activism or has been involved in this kind of work before. How did you get everyone activated and mobilized to come together in a group. Judy, why don't you share your experience? I'm one of the lucky ones who was able to walk into groups. I started off in Winnipeg uh, with Grands and More. And when we retired and moved uh, to British Columbia, I knew that I needed to do something where I was going to get to meet interesting people and especially interesting women that I wanted to meet. First thing I thought of was I wonder if there's a grandmother's group out here. And I checked and there was a group that had started out here and um, a really lovely, active group. It was just a a wonderful way of falling into to where I belonged. <laughs> and that's wonderful. And Thelma, what about your experience with the group? Well, I, I'm just the reverse of Judy. I initially joined in Cranbrook, BC, then <laughs> moved to Winnipeg and sought out the group. But actually, Grandmore Winnipeg did get its start because one of our founding members, Enid Butler attended the Toronto gathering and I, I had asked her a question. I was doing a, a poster and I said, what made you feel that you needed to start this group? And she said, how can I not? How can we not do something? After being there and hearing the stories and sharing tears and laughter and hugs and dancing, she said there, there just wasn't any question that we were going to get started. So it's been a blessing for me, for sure. And Linda? Well, the first group in Atlantic Canada was started with the Bay Grandmothers, and it was started by seven women who uh, had a fire in their bellies to get something going for the grandmothers, and they weren't quite sure what they were going to do, and they decided to hold a luncheon. So the seven women got together, and they held a luncheon for 100 people that was very successful. And out of that, that was the first time I had anything to do with grandmothers' event, and that June, I retired. In the fall, we started up again, and uh, there were a good number of people who had been at that luncheon and decided they wanted to join the grandmother's group. And so I started with committees and how to raise money, and we decided we needed a logo, and we needed to have some, some bags printed and some aprons to raise money, and it just sort of snowballed. And I was at a regional meeting, and you know we really didn't know a lot of what we were doing. We were just taking one step at a time and just keep, kept moving forward. I was at a regional meeting yesterday, and one of the grandmothers in another group was lamenting how one of her events had kind of gone awry. And we all sat there and laughed and said, you know what? That's happened to all of us. <laughs> what we think is going to happen in a fundraising event doesn't necessarily pan out as we had planned. 
but nevertheless, we made money and we had fun and uh, and we learned for the next time. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's been our story through the years. (laughs) Right. I think think a lot of grandmothers in the campaign can identify with that. (laughs) (laughs) And, And I know that one of the things that's tough is that a lot of grandmothers have worried over the years about fundraising and speaking to people about AIDS in Africa and the role of the African grandmothers and caring for their orphan grandchildren. How did you feel about it when you started out and how do you feel about it now? Fundraising has always been a challenge for me. I'm not really good at asking people for money. Um, I I didn't find it uh, difficult. Once I knew, once I started to learn about the campaign, I was quite willing to to chat with people um, at a display where we were were selling goods. But when it came to to going out and talking to people and asking for donations, that was a part that, that was something that I had to learn. More stories and the more I learned about the campaign and the more I knew about who I was talking about and what I was talking about, the easier it got. The challenges that we meet doing these kinds of things, I just keep reminding myself that they certainly don't even fall into the same level as challenges that the grandmothers are meeting in Africa. If they can do it, I can do it. Linda. I enjoyed all the fundraising events because it was a group thing and we worked together. So the fundraising didn't daunt me. Uh, And public speaking, once I knew the story and of course, it's because of my background, too. I was a teacher. I was a principal. I had done lots of public speaking. So just carrying the message forward was just something I, I had to talk about. And I just talked about it. <laughs> and uh, it, it seemed to be well received when I, you know, when I went different places and, and talked about the fundraising and the importance of uh, you know, making other people aware. And always when people hear the story, there's people who come forward to join, to be part of the whole movement. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. But I realize that's not everybody's niche. So seeing grandmothers grow in that area is just amazing. Wow. And Selma? Well, I think what held me back initially about speaking was the intensely personal nature of the story. Um, And I wanted to get it right. So I think I held back. But as I had more and more experience, and most of that came through small awareness events. We've, you know, we've been at the University of Winnipeg. We've been at the Canadian Human Rights Museum. So I'm better one-on-one. So that experience gave me confidence to try it. And you have to do your best. You will never have perfect circumstance. Just get out there and do it. And when you speak from the heart, people hear you. And if I don't know something, if I don't have a fact correct, I'll say, I don't know. But you know what? I do know where to find this information. Ask me later and we'll look it up. So I think that honoring the stories is really important to me and to get it right. And I will admit, I have a tech person with me just in case. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a splendid idea. (laughs) Of course, the stories that you're all talking about are stories of the African grandmothers who are rising to the challenge of dealing with their own grief of having lost their adult children and now raising so many orphaned grandchildren. And at the same time, as they've overcome challenges around food security, housing and income security, providing for their grandchildren, they've come together to form their own support networks and have begun mobilizing around claiming their human rights. 
And in Canada, the Grandmothers to Grandmothers campaign has become a social movement. And in Australia, they're well on their way. There are groups growing all the time and group in the UK. And now the campaign is starting in the United States. And I wonder, on a, on a more personal level for each of you, how do your grandchildren feel about your involvement in the campaign and this birth of a social movement of older women, grandmothers, who are making such a difference? Judy? It's been good for our grandchildren to see the kinds of things that uh, that we're involved in. And they know that this is really important to me. They know that this is something that I do. And it helps to sort of open their eyes, too, to the fact that we do things locally, we do things globally. We look at the world in a slightly different way because of the work of the campaign. Right. And Linda? I have six grandchildren, and I have an older set of grandchildren and two really young ones. I don't think the young ones comprehend what I'm doing. The older ones do, and they're proud of their grandmother. They understand that what we're doing in the Grandmother's Campaign is important, and it's important beyond our borders. It's important to be globally aware of situations that are happening. And I think that in the face of, how can I say, uninspired uh, leadership in various parts of the world at this time, uh, having a model of something that's very positive and very good is important. I also talk to a lot of students at the high school level, and that's where a lot of my hope rests in for the future, because I think this is the most educated generation that has, has been to date. And they have big hearts, but they're also connected. They're connected to their thumbs on these little machines, say, their iPad, their iPod, their smartphone. They know what's going on. And the young people today have a lot of empathy and understanding beyond Oh, definitely beyond what I had at their age. So I'm hopeful that my grandchildren will carry on, but I'm also very optimistic about our youth with the role models of grandmothers that they have had. Of course, the inspiration and the heart of the campaign is the African grandmothers themselves and how much they're doing to keep their families and their communities together in the wake of the ravages of HIV and AIDS in their countries predominantly in sub-Saharan Africa, and knowing everything that they've been doing and how hard they've been working, how tenacious and determined they are, as they say, not to raise another generation for the grave, and how much success they've had that has inspired this whole campaign. Why do you think it's important for people to recognize what grandmothers are doing and what grandmothers have the capacity to contribute? And what do you think would change if people all over the world recognized the capacity and the contribution that grandmothers have and continue to make? Let's start with Linda. I think there's pockets in sub-Saharan Africa where that is already happening. Grandmothers are breaking out of their barriers and they're becoming leaders not only in their immediate community, but beyond. And I think they're an inspiration for the young people and the other people in their community. And I want to thank you for introducing us to uh, Paola Gianturco's book of Grandmother Power, because I think the African grandmothers are, are shining lights for the world to see what a grandmother 
can do and what grandmothers can do helping one another. But Paolo's book showed us that inch by inch, bit by bit, grandmothers around the world are the ones that are making the difference. And I believe grandmothers are on the move to reclaim women's rightful place. And Judy, you know, in many cultures, the elders have respect and the respect is for that repository of knowledge and experience that has been gathered over the years. I think in many ways, our culture over the past few years has become very youth oriented. If you look at any of the ads or the media, it's all about young and it's wonderful. We have wonderful young people and I certainly have no problem with having them front and center. As long as we don't forget that there is something to age. There is something to the experience. There is something to the knowledge that's been gained just by by managing to survive this long. There was a very interesting article I read not that long ago about providing new evidence and saying that grandmothers may even be crucial for human evolution. If you go back and and look at the, the hunters and gatherers and who was really responsible for existence and keeping people alive. So I think the grandmothers have a very, very long history of being an uh, important role in society, both here and in Africa. People are seeing grandmothers in action. Absolutely. And in fact, uh, what you're talking about, the studies that have been done by Dr. Hawks in the States about grandmothers keeping the species alive, uh, she, calls mm-hmm. it the, she calls it the grandmother hypothesis, which I love very yes. much. And I, I'm going to be speaking mm-hmm. to her on this podcast in the Oh, wonderful. You'll hear from her directly. And I was interviewing somebody recently for the podcast, wonderful Dr. Freed, expert gerontologist in geriatric medicine. And she said something that really struck me. She said, grandmothers are forward-looking people amongst us because you have this connection to your grandchildren and you're thinking about the future for those grandchildren. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it's different from parenting. Uh, I'm in the midst of parenting and I know that that's true. You're so, you're so busy in the here and now. You're so taken up with raising these people, these young people to be good humans. But she said very strongly that she felt that grandmothers were really the hope for the future as much as youth were because grandmothers are always looking forward. And I wonder, before we move on, Thelma, how you feel about the importance of grandmothers coming together, having a voice, and being heeded and heard. There is a quote in Powered by Love, and one grandmother spoke of being older and wiser. She said she wasn't older and wiser than anybody else, but she was older and wiser than her younger self. And I think that we need to take our rightful place in society and speak up. Many groups of grandmothers in in Canada are marginalized and suffer from loneliness, and it it affects people. And um, so I think that we lead by example. I think quite often when I think of the time that I spend with my grandchildren, it's just knowledge in action, I think, and we need to own it and be proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it is Linda here. I think while grandmothers are contemplating becoming involved and they already think that they have a very full plate and they cannot take on anything more, this is a totally no-guilt organization. You give what you can when you can to the campaign and you don't never have to feel compelled you do it because you want to. And if you're going away to visit a grandchild in another country or another city, that's as it should be. 
So don't hesitate because you think you have limited time. Whatever you give is beautiful. Lovely. You know, I was just thinking that one of the things that makes the campaign so different from many other uh, groups and organizations or, or other charitable organizations is the fact that it's driven by the grandmothers in Africa themselves. And the campaign has really listened to that. And I don't get a sense of a, of a campaign that is influenced by what might be the, the hot new topic or the trend of the day, that it's really stuck to the grassroots. I really like that. The issues that are coming forward are the issues that are the most important to the people experiencing them. And we're hearing about that and we're working for those. And I'm really quite impressed by that. I don't hold myself to be an expert at all on HIV AIDS, but I think the message that we need to also talk about is that AIDS is not over and we need to keep working at it. We need to keep educating ourselves, keep learning, keep supporting the people that are at the forefront of the fight, but it is still affecting us globally and we need to keep working at this because we're nowhere near finished. That feels like a perfect note to end on because it is actually the, the impetus to continue and to grow and to deepen the work that we're all engaged in together. I cannot thank you enough, all of you, for joining me today. And thank you for helping me introduce the Grandmothers to Grandmothers campaign for everyone who's listening. It was a real joy. Thank you, Thank Ilana. you. Our pleasure. Thanks for listening. I'm Ilana Landsberg-Lewis, your host of Grandmothers on the Move. If you want to find out more about me or the podcast, go to grandmothersonthemove.com and come back next week for another episode.